America's offspring, demigods all were fundamental to shaping the lands between. For better or for worse, the shattering altered the course of history. As the greater will abandoned the demigods, and the lands between teetered upon the precipice of the unknown. Claiming their shards of the Elden Ring, the demigods each warred to obtain their own goals, and to shape the world the way they saw fit. And the shattering was neither the beginning or the end of their schemes. Godric the Grafted, the runt of the litter, as Enya describes, is divine blood sorely diluted and but a distant relation to Queen Merica. Godric, while seen as feeble, wasn't without a heavy burden upon his shoulders, as seemingly the last of the golden lineage, the lineage of the powerful Godfrey, the first Elden Lord. Godric was what was left to represent his family's strength. To this end, when the Elden Ring was shattered, he laid claim to a great room, just as the other demigods had. But Godric's great rune was different. His rune was known as the Anchor Ring, found at the center of the Elden Ring. Now, you could theorize that perhaps claiming this Anchor Ring shard in particular is what led Godric to grafting to begin with. The center point anchor within the Elden Ring was responsible for being exactly that, the anchor, holding the other rings of power upon it and together. The stretch from that to the idea of grafting doesn't seem that far. Or perhaps Godric's grafting was inspired by Godfrey himself, as when vowing to become a lord, Godfrey took the beast regent Sarosh upon his back. Or I suppose it could have been that he was just certifiable. But either way, Godric was desperate for power, so that he could live up to Godfrey's legacy. And this brought him to hunting the tarnish that remained in the lands between, and grafting their limbs onto his own body until he was hardly recognizable from the monster he had become. He would even employ the crafting art onto his scions and another of the golden lineage, Godefroy. The shattering would begin and war erupted across the lands between. Godric sought his golden home within the Leyendel capital at the foot of the Erdtree but the capital's defense would hold against Godric and his army, and Godefroy would be captured and imprisoned by the ancient dragon knight Kristoff. His soldiers fled as Godric was hounded from the capital, but not before he would steal away with a multitude of treasures. And if you believe Kenneth Hyde, hid himself among the women folk to flee the capital. But this wouldn't be the only time Godric would stick his head out from hiding within the walls of the Stormvale Castle from Radon. He would also meet Melania in battle, but instead of dying on the battlefield with his and perhaps his lineage's dignity intact, he would grovel for mercy at her feet. So in Stormvale Castle he remains and resides, 
continuing to hunt tarnished and grafting their limbs to his, in hopes to bolster his strength even further, and ascend himself and his golden lineage back to the seat of the Elden Lord, as his patriarch once had. With destined death confined, the Golden Order was created. But death wasn't to be contained forever. On the Night of the Black Knives, Godwin the Golden would be the first demigod to die. Though we know it's a bit more complex than that, and Godwin perished only in soul. But Godwin was much more than just a martyr for the Golden Order. He was Godwin the Golden, son of Godfrey and heir to the Golden Lineage. Long ago, during the war with the ancient dragons, Godwin defeated the mighty Fortisax in battle. But instead of striking the final death blow, Godwin instead befriended his fallen foe. And this union would give rise to the ancient dragon cult within the capital. The companionship between the two would last through life and through death. Even after Godwin became the Prince of Death, Fortisax fought long and hard against the death within his friend, but his only reward would be the corruption within himself. Ultimately, Godwin's legacy would be defined by his death, a death that would alter the lands between to come and altering the cycle of life and death as we know it. Some of his siblings would mourn for him, and some, like Ronnie, were even the ones to plot his death. Melania, along with her twin brother Mikola, were born to parents Merica and Radagon, born of a single god, and as such, they are both Empyrean. But ever since birth, Melania has been afflicted with Scarlet Rot. And in her youth, Melania would encounter the one who'd become her mentor, the man with his flowing blade. A man who was spoke of in legend as the master of the sword, garbed in blue with a curved blade that was patterned after flowing water. And with sword in hand, he would seal away an ancient god. A god that was rot itself. Through the teachings of her mentor and his flowing blade, Melania would gain wings of unparalleled strength. So much so that by the time of the shattering, Melania would have never known defeat in battle. Regardless of the putrefaction of her body harboring the rot within itself. And during the shattering, after claiming her shard of the Elden Ring, the great rune that should have been the most sacred of all, she would come to blows with General Rodan, her half-brother, as the two most powerful gods clashed in the Battle of Aeonia. Neither Melania or Radon would be the victor in their battle, a battle that wrought nothing but devastation for everyone involved, as well as for the lands of Caled. In their 
their fight, Melania allowed the scarlet flower to bloom, plaguing Radon and his armies and the land with the scarlet rot, and placing Melania into a deep slumber. It is said that if the scarlet flower blooms a third time, then Melania will become a true goddess. During her deep sleep after the second bloom, one of Melania's knights and one of the few survivors, a clean rot knight named Finley, would carry the slumbering demigod all the way back to her brother's hallowed tree. The knight would do this alone, warding off all manner of enemies along the way. And so, at the brace of the hallowed tree, the demigod Melania still slumbers from the effects of her scarlet bloom. Like his sister Melania, Mikola was born of a single god and born afflicted with a curse. But rather than harboring the scarlet rod within, Mikola is cursed with eternal childhood. And the demigod would spend his life searching for ways to release Melania and himself from their afflictions. As a means to do just that, Mikola planted and grew the Halleck tree and would water it with his own blood from sapling to fully grown tree. It would ultimately, however, fail to grow into an herd tree, but would become a haven for many people, including the lost and unwanted. Mikola is indeed quite powerful and loved by many, and according to Melania, possesses the wisdom and the allure of a god, and that he is the most fearsome Empyrean of all. Even the oracle envoy plays upon the boughs of the Halleck tree, said only to do so when heralding the arrival of a new god or age. And being on the cusp of godhood, it was important to Mikola to protect himself and others from the influence of outer gods. So he created needles of unalloyed gold to ward them away. be it for the preservation of the Golden Order, or as a means of protecting his sister from the Scarlet Rot, perhaps brought on by such outer gods, Nicola held his family close, repairing brilliant golden incantations for his father, staving off his sister's rot with his unalloyed gold as best he could, and mourning the death of his brother Godwin, praying that a true death would find him. So, when the shattering began, Mikola embedded and cocooned himself within the Halleck tree. To what exact end is unclear. But whatever his plans would be, they wouldn't come to fruition before Moog would cut the tree open and abscond with the slumbering demigod. And so it is with Moog's story. We will find where Mikola seemingly ends. Moog was one of the cursed omen twin brothers, born of Merica and Godfrey. As such an accursed omen, 
he was imprisoned deep underground with the Elden Ring shattered and all-out war ensuing, Moog would eventually find his escape to claim a great rune of his own, but not before his life would change forever underground. Deep beneath the earth in his imprisonment, Moog met the Formless Mother, also known as the Mother of Truth, an outer god that stood in opposition to the greater will. And as he stood before her, his accursed blood erupted with fire, and he became infatuated with the defilement he was born into. The Mother of Truth bestowed power upon his accursed blood, and when claiming his great rune, Moog would soak that in blood, as he wished to usher in a new age, a new dynasty covered in the blood of his curse the Mogwin dynasty. To achieve this goal, Mog would cut the slumbering Mikola out of his hallowed tree and return the demigod to his mausoleum. There he hoped he could raise Mikola to full godhood and become his consort, so that together they would have the power to usher in the visions of Mog's bloody dynasty. But no matter what Mog tried, he would never get a response from the young Imperium. And so Moog patiently slumbers as well, next to the divinity, awaiting his awakening and the start of his new dynasty. Orgot, twin brother of Moog, also born of royalty, but still an accursed omen to be imprisoned deep underground. That is where these twins' similarities would end, as Morgoth's ambitions were directly opposite to his brother's. After the Elden Ring was broken and he claimed his great rune, Morgoth would return to his home, the Landell capital at the base of the Erdtree. He was, after all, its rightful king, born of the Golden Lineage. There he would protect the Erdtree, against all that harbored ambitions of becoming the next Elden Lord. He took this upon himself, though he was not loved in return, for he was never loved, but nevertheless he loved the Erdtree all the same. During the Shattering, Morgoth took on the identity of Margit, the Fell Omen, and slaughtered countless champions. So much so that he became a tale of horror for those that harbored ambitions for the Erdtree or Lordship. And Morgoth was not to be taken lightly at all. In fact, if he held ambitions for the Elden Throne, he may very well have achieved it. We even see a depiction of him besting General Radon while he attempted to claim Lordship. But Morgoth cared not any lordship himself and considered his siblings traitors to the Golden Order. And so Morgoth sits in protection of the Erdtree, snuffing out the flame of ambitions of any who seek it. Radon was born of Renala and Radagon, a boy with flowing red hair that matched his father's and red hair was said to identify a giant, as every giant had red hair. 
Perhaps that is what explains the size to which Radon would grow. But who we'd become would start in his adolescence. From his youngest years, Radon idolized the Lord of the Battlefield, Godfrey, and his beast regent, Sarosh. So much so that he modeled his armor after them. And Radon himself would become a mighty warrior indeed. Enough to rival that of Godfrey is hard to say for sure. But the art of battle wasn't all that Radon studied. In the town of sorcery, Celia, he learned to wield gravitational powers. Initially, so that he would never have to abandon his beloved but scrawny steed. But his powers would grow well beyond that. Through the tutelage of an alabaster lord with skin made of stone. Radon's manipulation of gravity would grow to an almost godlike level. He would challenge the very stars themselves. And in fact, he did confront the falling stars, and he would do so alone, halting them in their tracks. And thus, this conquest over the stars would seal their very fate. But soon the shattering would begin, and Radon and his armies would face off against Melania and hers, the two most powerful demigods clashing in Caelid. But as we already know, the Battle of Aeonia would have no victor, and Radon would find himself beset by the Scarlet Rot. His great rune would burn to resist its encroachment, but the rot would eat away at Radon, crippling him with madness, causing him to devour the bodies of both friend and foe alike as he roams the rot-engulfed lands of Caelid, a shadow of his former self, but still a ferocious warrior all the same. Lunar Princess Rani, perhaps the most enigmatic of the demigods. Rani in tail is the daughter of Renala and Radagon. She certainly regards Renala as her mother, and even comes to her aid when needed. But Rani is an Empyrean, which is to be born of a single god, much like the twins Melania and Mikola being born of Merica and Radagon, a single god. But that couldn't be Ronnie's case if she was birthed from Renala. So to try to make sense of it, we need to speculate a little bit. I believe the amber egg Radagon gifted to Renala upon his leaving holds the answers. If Radagon and Merica are one and the same, then they harbor the Elden Ring within and the amber egg was inlaid with a shard of that ring. The great rune of the unborn, in fact. It is the bird tree's old sap that becomes the amber of this world, and within this amber, primordial life energy resides. What if Ronnie wasn't born in the traditional sense of the word? What if she came from the primordial life energies from within the egg? That and a piece of the Elden Ring inlaid in that egg, which in turn is a piece of Radagon. 
If possible, that would explain Ronnie's Empyrean blood born of a single god. But how exactly she is Empyrean is less important to the impact she would have on the world. In truth, Ronnie was behind the plot of the Knight of the Black Knives, and she herself stole death an act that would lead to the death of her brother Godwin. But it was actually Ronnie's whose flesh was the first to perish, a means of shrugging off her Empyrean body and its shackles to the Erd tree. And so, with her soul intact, she housed it within a doll model after her mentor, the Snow Witch Rena. Ronnie had always gazed at the night sky, following the stars for every step of her journey, and would even meet the moon. But ever since Star Scourge Shordan began holding the stars at bay, Ronnie's fate has been in stasis. So, in her tower, she waits and plans for the return of the stars, and thus her fate, shrugging off her great room in the process. She disassociated entirely from the greater will, and through her own strength, she would vow to usher in the Age of Stars. Rikert was born of Renala and Radagon, and would find his home in the volcano manor of Mount Gelmir. It was there that he discovered the ancient hexes of Gelmir, and brought them back into practical use as new forms of sorcery. Indeed, Rikard was as an accomplished sorcerer as he was cunning, and while we do not know to what extent he was involved in the Night of the Black Knives, we know he was involved to some degree, as Ronnie rewarded him with traces of the Rune of Death, so that if she should fail, Rikard could challenge Malekith himself. It seems he too was disillusioned with the Greater Will and its Golden Order, and would turn to heresy when the Shattering began, and taking by force became his rule. Mount Gelmir would become the site of the most appalling and bloody battle of the Shattering. Rikard saw how the other Shardbearers fought over scraps, vying for power in the face of the Erd Tree to restore its Golden Order. But Rikard refused to do the same. If the Greater Will would debase them so, then he would resist, even if it meant blasphemy. And so it is that Rikard allowed himself to be devoured by the Elder Serpent that dwelled on Mount Gelmir, Great Rune and all. And in his vision of the future, seen in his final moments, he saw the great serpent devouring the world. Now Rikard lived within the great serpent, so that he might devour, grow, and live eternally. His consort, the Lady Tanith, would grant heroes an audience with their lord, only so that he might devour them and make them a part of him, become kin, so that the serpent would continue to grow. With their master's aspirations degenerated into mere greed, 
Reichard's men searched for a weapon with which they might halt their lord. A weapon they would leave in Reichard's chamber beneath the volcano manor, in hopes that one day a champion would wield it against their former lord.